Welcome to another edition of Whiskey Web and Whatnot with myself, Robert William Wagner, and my co-host, as always, Charles William Carpenter III. With our guest today, Fred K. Schott. What's going on, Fred? Not much. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Cool. Great to have you. You are the CEO of HTML, which is uh, one of the great <laughs> greatest titles of the internet. I know that Robbie really respects that. Yeah, that'll that'll be coming up in our uh, you know quarterly performance review. But uh, thank you, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, how are you doing with HTML these days? It feels like it's performing better. Maybe some new things in the spec. Who knows? Yeah, you know. Uh, but you share this title with another gentleman on Twitter who has a slightly different career trajectory, though. So every once in a while, I'll get tweets being like. I heard someone's coming for the title and it'll be like a totally different tweet by someone be like, oh, I guess I should be the CEO of HTML. I have like an army of people defending my my right, like an heir to the throne of HTML. Yeah. Are you talking about Jack Forge? Yes. Yeah. And he does uh, sites for entertainers of all types. Yes. Oh, yes. So apparently you didn't dig into this. So, OK, no, <laughs> he was listed as CEO of HTML as well. And then. uh he posted a tweet or something that was like, I have some bad news. I was uh, demoted from CEO of HTML <laughs> or something like that. I actually did see that. I didn't realize. I didn't connect who that was. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know, there's a hostile takeover and uh, the board installed me as a new CEO. So I'm happy to serve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're doing different things with it and uh, much to the chagrin of many adult entertainers. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't know that was their background. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, the world's a small place. <laughs> Aside from those things, Fred, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, besides working with HTML, I uh, helped create the Astro Web Framework, which just hit its 2.0 launch. It's a way to build websites, which I'm sure we'll get into, but it's a really cool newer project, kind of antidote to some of the trends of the last decade that has been a, a lot of fun to explore with, uh, with the team we've created. Nice. Yeah. I think in many ways, the Astro and uh, the work you're doing are becoming kind of the bastions of HTML. Obviously, many other things going along with it, but saying HTML is a first-class citizen, I highly respect. Yeah. And then seeing what we can do with these like uh, base building blocks of the internet. Yeah. Someone once described that Astro is, uh, they described Astro as the first web framework that's HTML first without hating developers for not using HTML. And I always resonated with that. I think there has been a lot to do it before, we're not the first, certainly. And I think a lot of our best ideas were riffs or outright taken from other projects. And we're trying to fit them together in a new way. But it's all coming from a place of trying to match the dev experience of all the modern tools that you're kind of familiar with. So it's not like sacrifice and use HTML. It's much more like, look how cool this could be if you use HTML. So there's a couple people, you know, there's always the snark. There's always the haters out there. But uh, I think we've struck a really good balance. And yeah, we we really love HTML. We think we are enhancing it, not... Uh, not bastardizing it. Very much agree with that. But before we get too serious, I think we should talk about the whiskey. Because, you know, we need the social lubrication so that we don't take ourselves so, so seriously. I don't mean to be so bold to interrupt this intro, but I just know. How would you describe this podcast to someone who doesn't know it? Because I described it to my family as like hot ones for tech podcasts. Is that and featuring alcohol? Is that have you ever used that before? That's the best I could come up with. I didn't know how how much I missed the mark. Chuck would love that. No, but you've given me so many warm and fuzzies on the inside. I'm not sure if you got some insider information, but like I love Hot Ones. I'm so obsessed with that show. Who doesn't? It's the best. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I've done a challenge at home with some friends. Not necessarily recommended, but it is interesting. So I think the way we've like our elevator pitch has been like a fireside chat with your favorite devs and... 
the fireside fueled by whiskey. <laughs> see, I think that's I see this as a threat of try to walk the line between participating and not getting too drunk. And I'm a, I'm a bigger guy, so I think I'm going to be OK here. I think we're going <laughs> to exit at the fifth wing or anything like that. But right. <laughs> I can imagine how this would actually be pretty tight for or pretty hard for someone uh, who I don't know. It's a, there's a challenge to it, which I kind of enjoy. Yeah. 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 There's definitely a few folks that have gotten a little lubed up and slur their <laughs> words and whatever else. And and hey, that's totally fine. Makes it fun. Except for Ken C. Dodds. Right. Because it turns out non-alcoholic eggnog doesn't really do that for you. So we got the full remix pitch. You just get bloated, I would imagine, right? <laughs> yeah, right. A little bloated, a little sleepy. Yes, exactly. And just dreaming of Christmas. That's all I was to that <laughs> whole interview. Sorry, Ken. I mean, you know, remix very cool, but... I need booze. He's not with Remix anymore, so. I know. Yeah, he's doing his own thing. Your videos and stuff, really cool. <laughs> there you go. That, too. I learned so much. He's the OG. He's the GOAT. Yep. Right. Oh, Pinhook. That's what we're doing. So we're doing a Pinhook Artist Series blended whiskey. And this particular one is Whiskey Nicking. Is the art on the back by Nicholas Blackman. I don't know. I'm sure I said that wrong. But it is a blend of bourbon and rye whiskeys distilled at the Castle and Key Distillery, which I think is super cool because it's like one of the oldest original distilleries in the United States. It was created by Colonel Taylor. So it's called the Old Taylor Distillery originally in like 1887. And Colonel Taylor is like a brand that Buffalo Trace releases now. But originally they used to be like their own standalone distillery. So and now they got Mm -hmm. the distilleries restored like, I don't know, eight years ago or so fully up and running and distilling their own stuff. So this is juice from there, 112 proof, and it's aged at least three years. I think that's probably because rye can be less aged than bourbons. So I don't know much about whiskey, bourbon, really. I'm a pretty novice. I'm too embarrassed to repeat what I said to you all, but (laughs) I'm a novice. What I did say, though, before we met is this is a bottle that is very pretty on the front, but has like a lot of personality on the back. And I appreciate that. I feel like they go too far sometimes. Here's like a cool new hip bottle from some cool new hip distiller. But then the front's got a little bit of class to it. I, I like that. That's mwah. Yeah. Dig that. Chef's kiss is what I think you would say. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of a cool little artsy thing. And there's always like a, a horse motif to it. I think it's like different race horses and stuff on their normal ones. And they do the wax dipping, which like other than Maker's Mark, a lot of places aren't doing anymore. Mm, has a good smell. Yeah. Like that. Maker's Mark, that's plastic now, right? That like kind of red top that they put on there. No, it's wax. I've been to the distillery. You can actually dip your own bottles. Oh, nice. Yeah. Whoa, very cool. Yeah, see? Okay. It's a beautiful property, and they have, like, some jewelry, like, glass sculptures, too, in the rickhouse as you're, like, leaving the edge of the initial rickhouse. And just the whole property was designed by the family originally in the 50s. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Oh, that's cool. Ooh, I smell butterscotch. Yeah, I'm literally just going to watch you guys and, and do what you do. Like, a, okay. <laughs> like a, yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad that we have uh, <laughs> we fooled you. If you just make up words and it sounds like you know what you're talking about, people believe you. That's yeah. basically been 20 years of my dev career. So just think outside of the box. Like, don't go for the oaky, nutty, whatever. Like, I think this smells like uh, cacio e pepe to me. Wow. <laughs> a little bit of Parmesan with some pepper. I think. I don't think he means this. I think he's no, I pulling do. this out of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> I love Calche Pepe. No, now it's a challenge. See, now that you said I can make up words, I'm going to get, I'm, but it's going to be real. I'm going to get something very real here. Like, give me one sec. Crayons, Crayola crayons. Mm. Hmm. Okay. What color? <laughs> uh, blurple. Because it matters. Do they smell different? 
Hmm. Yeah, now, okay, so I got some butterscotch and smelling it with a, a little bit of like, I don't know, what would you say? Like, uh, oh, what am I thinking? Like, not a fresh cut lawn or something like that, but um, I don't know. I'll think of that. It's got like kind of an outdoorsy bit to it. It tastes a little bit of barnyardy. Is mm. Yeah, I don't know the... Uh, like hay. Like hay, yeah. Maybe like hay. Yeah, yeah, maybe like hay. Smell of hay. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. Yeah. But I do taste a little creme brulee, like a little burnt sugar kind of in mm. it when I taste it. That is spot on. That I actually do pick up. Mm, see? I just drink a lot, Fred. Or should I call you bread? <laughs> it's a story I'll have to get into later. <laughs> it's not the first time you've called me bread, and I don't know what that means. No, pred with a P. So it's Fred. Oh, pred. But then you pronounce it pred because in some languages, they don't have an F sound. Mm. And so if there is an F, they pronounce it P. Hmm. Pred. Yeah, I'll explain that later and whatnot. Get there because it's a long story and too weird for right now. So, what's my goal here? Am I supposed to be drinking this whole bottle by the end of the podcast? I'm going to try and pace myself. Oh, no, so no. Yes, no. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. That's you, the last dab. You just chug. You did say you're a big guy, so oh, no. if that's what you need, you know, every level. I am not a large person, but I do frequent the brown juice, so you know. We could be on par with one another, possibly. I couldn't drink this whole thing oh, no. in an hour no. and adequately walk out of here. So if you can make it upstairs to bed after, when this is done, you should <laughs> go for that. I think I got some PRs to review after this. So, yeah, that's absolutely not my goal. Yeah, perfect. I can't wait to see what new features make Astro. <laughs> <laughs> Astro 3 is a little sloppier than Astro 2. <laughs> yeah, it turns out it's a little weird. No React support. Must have been Robbie that got a PR in last. <laughs> oh, and, and all of a sudden, Ember's in. I don't know what happened. <laughs> turned out. Or Glimmer or something. Okay, so, yeah, we talk about a little bit about this whiskey, the flavors we're picking up, kind of whether we like it or not. We have a highly technical system of rating. It's one through eight, one to eight tentacles. Haha, clever branding. Ha-ha. One being the worst thing you've ever had. I don't, I don't want this anymore. Eight being the greatest thing you've ever had. Please give me nothing else. And everything kind of in between. So four isn't bad. Four is average for you. Whatever baseline you want to put into that. And you said you don't drink a ton of whiskey. So it just whiskeys in general. Think about every whiskey you've ever had and what you've enjoyed and what you haven't and kind of just pit it against that. For me, since this is a blend of bourbon and rye, I'll just think of it more as like just American whiskey and uh, consider it against those. And if it makes it any easier, I'll just do go me first to influence you <laughs> and the rest of your decisions in life. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say it would be both cruel and only the only accurate way to do this would be if I go first. But mm, mm. I'd much rather prefer to hear you all. Mm. <laughs> I also consider price sometimes, too, because if it's like not that great. Or it's just not it's not bad, but doesn't like stand out to me. But then it was like an eighty or hundred dollar bottle of whiskey. It's just like, oh well, there are things I prefer that are thirty dollars, and so why would I ever pit this up higher than that? Where there's just no value there. I do think this is pretty tasty and interesting. Uh, enjoying it, enjoying the the look of the bottle. It's kind of neat. You could share it with friends, you know, socializing. So six and a half. It feels better than a six to me. It doesn't quite feel like full seven. So I think I'm going to say six and a half. Yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. And I would definitely share it with friends. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at, too. I was thinking six, but I could come up to seven, maybe. Yeah, so I don't, we'll just say six and a half for me, too, I guess. Hmm. Okay, so half points are allowed. 
Okay, so yeah, yeah. Well, it's been a recent addition where some. I think Robbie really kind of introduced it. So, and I tried to push back a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> uh, and I gave up, as with most things. I was leaning between a six and a seven. I promise. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going seven because I I've had. So I'm a noob, but I have had some good whiskey before, and this really is hitting the spot for me. Very smooth. So, giving it a stamp of seven. I, w- I might even have gone to eight, but I know that's like a sucker's thing to do on your first, yeah. your first pod. I'm sure the the rating's a little bit more professional here. Well, let's be honest. You're a pod professional because sometimes I'll do a little research here and there. We do, we try to play this mostly by ear, but I'll go and listen to some other podcasts that our guests have been on because I don't want to like barrage you with the same bull crap that you talk to everyone else about. Like there's certain things within our community that's like very well treaded. So why do we want to talk about them again? Like it's clear people haven't like, if they're listening to this and they've heard you on any other podcast, they know what islands are. Right. And they have an idea of what Astro does and can do and like what can champion obviously with, you know, the release of two recently that's starting to to grow. And I think there's a lot of potential in where it can go even beyond that. But I don't want to repeat myself a bunch. So are you to repeat yourself a bunch? Sorry. In that, you know, you've been on some other podcasts that are just more technically focused. And this one's supposed to be a little more casual. I like that. I It's always tough to walk that line between I've seen this more like this not debate, but like on live streams, it's like, do I want to like do coding? Because I have a screen, I can use it. I can open up some code or do I just want to talk about the project or do I want to talk about this person's history? And there's a ton of different ways. Yeah. You, everyone has something. This is the first time I've drank alcohol on a podcast. So mm. I think you're already off to a good kind of unique start here. Yeah. This was it though. It's all downhill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, It's like, it's actually a crutch. Mm. Yeah. Get the, get everyone drunk and everyone thinks they have a great time. Yeah, exactly. We encourage that of our listeners too. Yeah. Yeah. To get drunk and have a good time. <laughs> do you get listeners kind of writing in being like, do you like share the alcohol you're drinking ahead of time? Is there any way to like participate? Mm. Do you have to listen and then stop, go out and get it? That's a great suggestion. Well, yeah. If you weren't listening to it immediately when it came out, you could like check the show notes, see what we drank and go buy it. And then, but yeah, I guess maybe we could announce it ahead of time. I bet someone's done this. I bet if you've asked your audience, someone has done this. Somewhere out there. Yeah. I think we should ask that question. Let's see. So it's funny because a couple of other folks from Astro have been on. And uh, yeah, I wonder like if they listen to other episodes and if they have decided to like participate along with it. I'll have to ask that. So you had Dan on? And Nate. And Nate. Okay, nice. Yeah. 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 Although Ben's like probably too famous for us now. I mean, technically you're probably <laughs> too famous for us now, but um you committed early. That's too famous for all of us. Yeah. Once you have a <laughs> once you have a YouTube channel with shorts, I feel like then you've just blown past everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting thing. That's like quite a phenomenon that I feel has accelerated quite a bit. Like live coding streams and YouTube channels to like teach development. Like I do feel like that's like accelerated a lot and the people that are good at it are like really good at it yeah like ben for example also like really great at it like the primogen like really great at like i don't know just like he'll just approach a concept and it just feels so empathetic and interesting and then also you can't get his voice out of your head so (laughs) like people that are like leaned in are doing well like they are doing really well yeah it's a funny format in that it rewards like like so Ben one thing one of my favorite things Ben used to do is it was just a whiteboard right like Mm -hmm. him in front of a whiteboard which already like it's so clever just to do that and like that's the bit like who uses a whiteboard you never see that anymore it's all green screens yeah he's got the whiteboard unique very (laughs) cool I love it but then he used to like animate the whiteboard by literally like frame snapshot 
go erase it, do something new, snapshot, erase it. Like, and he would create these like pretty advanced animations. Yeah. That there's no way that was worth the time investment, but it was so unique. <laughs> and like only someone like Ben could do that. And like, there, there's no way to do that at scale. So it's like, you can kind of find these like really creative, expressive ways to, I don't know. It was really fun watching him try those things out and just like, oh, I've never seen anyone do that across TikTok, YouTube, anywhere. Yeah. yeah. He just needs to build some whiteboard AI that can do that for him. <laughs> and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And a great stable diffusion or whatever and have it just start creating that for you. Yeah. You, you build the model and then, yeah, that sounds like some pretty smart stuff that I don't yeah. have time for. <laughs> I'm busy drinking and doing podcasts. So I'm I'm one of those weird people who actually like go to YouTube. I like open up my YouTube app and browse it, which I feel like I tell people that and they're like horrified. They don't know what that means. <laughs> but like I'll browse it and then they push shorts. You can tell that like there are algorithms out there that just take a movie or a show or something, slice it into like literally just slice, 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 a thousand clips out of one movie, mm-hmm. publish them all. And then whichever ones do well, those are the ones that matter. The ones that don't kill them off. And like no human had to be involved in that at all. That's my theory of what's going on. Because some clips make no sense. It starts in the middle of one scene and then the end of another. Like, yeah, it's all very odd and it feels very weird and robotic. But hey, you can just pump that out, click a button. Oh, yeah. I definitely think there are some uh, script generated content and some like weird AI generated content. I've definitely had, uh, I'm not sure if you have children or not. I have a couple of small kids. And it's amazing that sometimes when they can't read that they can still find the craziest content on YouTube and they'll sneak into YouTube. They know how to get to YouTube and start to find things. Even if you try to block all these things off and then you'll just see some weird, like it looks like computer created content that is on there. And they're just like, probably just feed something in real quick, spit it out, see if it gets a bunch of views or not. And just rinse, repeat. Yeah. And try to pitch it to kids who don't know any better. There's a couple of those where it'll be like, a three hour dancing Iron Man video. And it's like a 3d generated Iron Man dancing mm-hmm. 10 million views. And it makes no sense for three hours. You And it's like, there must, you just must put this in front of a kid and like, yeah, they watch it. It must be great. They must love it. Also, who are you? If you let your kid watch three hours of dancing Iron Man, I don't know <laughs> if you need it, I guess I just had an eight hour car trip. I would have put anything on <laughs> with mm. my two year old daughter. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that is our iPad time. So like they can earn it on the weekends. And then obviously any long trips where like load them up with movies and games, enjoy, go nuts. Mm-hmm. You're not on the internet, so you're not going to find weird YouTube stuff. But um, yeah, that's that's the only thing that helps. That's what you think. They've already secretly bought a SIM card. They're loading it up. With, <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. They fancy an Iron Man all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They set up a hotspot in a Raspberry Pi and put it in the back of the car. <laughs> we don't even know. That's possible. Cool. So we all, yes, Astro. Well, there were some Astro things we were going to talk about, so we should probably get into that a little bit. Uh, Simple stuff around V2. And yes, unfortunately, we haven't updated our site into V2 yet, but I am interested to dig into some things. Yes, we have. Have we? You did it? Yeah, I didn't have any breaking changes for us that I know of. (laughs) Did we introduce any type safety in our content? No, of course not. Oh, okay. That would take work. So we're not using the new features yet. So that's what I was no. kind of getting at. Is like, no, we do need to do that. Let's yeah. look at some of the new features. So yeah, I mean, yes, we can change the package file and, yeah. and say we're on V2. I mean, we're bleeding edge. <laughs> that's yeah. what I did. <laughs> and we have got like, I think one small solid JS component in our site. But I mean, it's a pretty static site. That's around like the. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's just like the contact form, right? Or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because it needed to like show error states and be a little dynamic. 
Yeah. Forums are sneaky, complicated. Like, or maybe not that sneaky, but I feel like that's one thing everyone's like, when are you going to release the like Astro form component? And it's like, yeah, but like how much of that is like, you really want React or Svelte or Solid, whoever to do that. Right. Like a server-side form with no client-side code is like pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but I saw Adam put out a thing a couple of weeks ago about like full form validation using just HTML and Tailwind, first of all. So like your form validation now no longer needs these like DOM interceptors and event watchers and stuff. Interesting. How does it know what's valid though? By input type. So, right, like if it's invalid by the HTML Mm. and then some weird, crazy million whatever state things that he can do in Tailwind. I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. I can't say I understood it, but I was like, Hmm. I just looked at the demo and I was like, wow, this is cool. And then, yeah, obviously sending off your event to the server. You could do that. I don't know. I know some people think it's 90 style web, but it was a version of the web that was like very scalable and worked too. So like, do you need the flashy, smooth transitions or do you need something that like works at scale with a million concurrent connections? Like I'm going to, you know, deal with the latter if you have to in most like enterprise situations. Yeah, fair. So, and that is why HTML wins. Yeah, I do think it's weird when the page has to go to a different page or like refresh basically to like post to the server instead of like you're used to getting a little toast that's like thank you or whatever, not yeah. like yeah. a full reload or even just validation. Like as you type, I'm a sucker for like yeah. the password that like turns green as you go. Like yeah, mm-hmm. must be this character, must have this special character. Yeah, that's uh, well, yeah. I love the sugar. I'm all about it. I'm just saying you don't need it. Yeah, a little, little sweetness, a little sweet UI in your life. Yeah, you don't need it. <laughs> But it's nice and it's good and it like makes people give some people warm and fuzzies and it's early user feedback and all that kind of stuff. Like I dig I dig those things. It's just I love that it's not really a a requirement. Like you said, people are asking you, like, when are you going to get whatever functionality for a contact form? It's sort of like, well, I mean, you don't need it. It is not like an emergency release that you need to do. There's different ways around it. And there's the idea of like progressive enhancement again, which I like. Yeah, I think Ryan Carniato on the solid team has done some really cool, like, what if you took over the form submission, like the action, like where it submits to could all be handled invisibly, but still like build the front end in a component so it can have that interactivity. So today in Astro, you know, you got to create an API endpoint that handles the form and make sure that it kind of hooks it up properly. If you want that, like, you know, dynamic more API-based form versus a like full submit, 90s style submit. Yeah. But Ryan's been doing some really cool stuff. If what if even that connection to an API felt more like a function call without having to set up a full endpoint yourself? And that's really cool to me. Yeah, I agree with that. Like sort of blur those lines at least. And everything is sort of um, agnostic to the user. So, yeah. It's funny you bring up SolidJS. Uh, I think a couple of times I did the first one, but I know that... Uh, Robbie here is becoming a bit of a solid fanboy around uh, its state management. And what have you said? It's like a form of React that you can actually live with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. I put him on blast here a little bit. It's funny. But my problem with React is not that it's like the world's worst library. It's that like everyone blindly uses it because it's the hotness and like everyone is supposed to use it. Like, like when we had Josh Collinsworth on about his like article about the only thing react is good at is being popular or whatever. It's like, you know, that I agree with that. Like, I think people are like, Oh, Facebook made this, so it must be good. Let me just use it and learn it blindly because everyone's using it and every job requires it. And 
I think solid kind of bridges the gap of like, okay, this is the same syntax that 99% of you just learned for React, but we took away all the shittiness of like needing to use all these hooks and you can just like create a signal that's like, oh, this thing might update, like update when it updates. There you go. Like it just has a easier mental model that for me is closer to the way Ember's like auto tracked properties and stuff work. So yes, I can, I can live with it. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, to me, it was always like, I feel like there's a point where it sort of jumped the shark in that it was created as a library to dynamically show content and have that update on the fly easily, right. In context. And then it's been due to popularity and demand. It's been pushed kind of, to the edge of its potential capabilities. And I think that the really smart people behind it have found some clever ways to wedge that around. And then I think that some of the actual frameworks that decided to put some rules around it made some smart choices there to kind of make it work. But at the end of the day, it was always intended in one particular way. And then it's always been like kind of evolved to try to make it be a one-stop shop for all these other kinds of things. And that maybe is one of the fallacies. And it's sort of like you embrace that and that's fine. And you, and you go down the path and you it resonates with you. But it's like, there's more than one way to skin a cat, they say. And that's maybe not a politically correct thing to stay. So cats are no longer going to listen. Peter's going to be all over you. Yeah. Peter's <laughs> never going to listen to this podcast again. Cats are going to ban me. Yeah. Cats against Chuck. That's okay, because cats try to kill me. I'm severely allergic, so I hate <laughs> them. Anyway, skin them all. Me too. I don't know about hate, but I definitely am allergic. Yeah, that's true. I don't hate. I don't actually hate any animal in that or, or wish it ill will in that sense. Just like don't live with me and stay away. <laughs> so I would actually say I'm probably surprisingly a React fan here. Like it's what I learned, like mo- what I would call like, you know, this new wave of mo- like modern mm-hmm. window. I was never a view, never really felt like React was for me for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think you can't talk about React without talking about like where the web was at that point. Like mm-hmm. I was working on a mobile site at the time that had to do PHP template rendering that then hydrated or like, you know, you use jQuery basically to like wire up things. And then you had to mm-hmm. re-implement that exact same template for a local comment to work. So you make a comment, you want it to like progressively kind of give you your comment and then the server is going to behind the scenes go and submit it. We had a template like in two different code bases, two different languages, just to try like it was a mess. And that's the world that React came in and kind of saved us from. Yeah. Now, like what always happens is that people take that and they say, oh, JavaScript, like let's put, if React solved this problem, it must solve this other problem, this other problem. And all of a sudden you have like, your CSS is actually a JSON object and it's just, you've done too much, you've gone too far. And I think that's where we're at now. But yeah, I will forever stand React. I'm always a big fan. I, I think they've gone too far in like, React itself now is very large, which is interesting because it's taken us away from that. Like what Islands is, is essentially that old school idea of like hydrate parts of your site. The comment will get hydrated, but the rest of your site can be server generated. And that's something they're now having to like kind of circle back to through the server components idea. But ultimately they're coming at it with like that's SPA mindset that we own the full app. So yeah, you know, Facebook doesn't care that React weighs 50 kilobytes because it's all React. Like at the end of the day, just put it on React and it's going to be okay. But yeah. for islands or for anyone who's kind of using it more incrementally or and doesn't need the full weight of it, it ends up being this giant thing that, you know, for your first island, you have to download all of this React code just to run it. And that's that feels like they lost their way a bit from that early goal, that early design. Yeah, I don't disagree at all, actually. And I, you know, contrary to maybe how it particularly sounds, I'm not like 
anti-React. I just don't think it's always the best tool for the job. And perhaps like it's paved the way for a lot of forward momentum. And now some other tools have a similar but yet dissimilar take that uh, give you a different option that might be better. So it doesn't necessarily mean that that is bad. It was a great tool for the job. I was going to say the first time I'd actually deployed the first React component for National Geographic that would have been used by millions of people logging into the National Geographic site across a bunch of the properties. And I had come off of a highly complex like backbone marionette project, which was like our solution to not dealing with jQuery spaghetti. And we were like, oh, here's like something that lets us do some of these things and that like gives us a structure or a set of rules. And then we can kind of create a whole app around it. But then we were like, oh, my gosh, we're essentially like writing MVC applications on the front. And it feels like a lot. How can I just make one thing yeah. more dynamic than that? Like, like you said, you know, the article comes from the server, gets rendered up, and then now we need dynamic identity. Cool. Let's make that this like cool React thing. And I was like, loved it. I was so jazzed by the fact that like you could go from logged into your identity without a server refresh and have this cool little setup thing there. And then, you know, you go from that. It's just that, uh, like I said, I think they, they were popular and there was a lot of demand and then there's everything becomes a component. Your router is a component and your state is a other, I don't know. So yeah. it gets conflated along the way, but I, I would never say that I necessarily dislike it necessarily, but I just wouldn't always feel like it's the best option always along the way. And like you said, in an astro world, it kind of can regress to its greatest strengths in a way. Yeah. And no problem using it in that way because you're just serving HTML and then you're giving the user one little dynamic bit at a time. Yeah. So if you like React for that, great, go for it. Yeah. I can't remember if the, if the Solid team ever ended up using this, but this idea that like Solid is the way you thought React worked when you first picked it up. There's always a tagline I loved, like, <laughs> yeah. wait, what do you mean this function is going to run multiple times and the hook is somehow going to prevent that? But what? Closures are what now? And then Solid's like, no, 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 no. This is this is the mental model you actually have. And I always liked that. I don't know if they ever want it, but that was a cool tagline. I feel like I've read that at least a couple of different times. Like, this is the natural progression of React that you expected or something. Yeah. Yeah. We have to rename this podcast to React Bashing and Defending. Or something. No, the Ryan Carniato fan club. That's what I'll, I'll be the I'll be the oh. CEO of the Ryan Carniato fan club. I'm going to go update my bio. Nice. We'll switch that up. Yeah. Maybe if you get some inside, if he likes whiskey, you know, we can come talk about yeah. those things with us. I'll let him know. Cool. Cool. Um, what do you got, Robbie? What do you want to talk about? I don't know. I mean, we should give Fred a chance. If you have anything you want to specifically mention about Astro V2, I know Chuck doesn't want you to repeat yourself because might've been on other podcasts and said a lot about all this or whatever. But if you want to just kind of give like a quick rundown of, you know, we don't want to monopolize everything by what we want to talk about. So if there are things you want to get out in the, uh, ah, hey, you're the just go for it. You're the host. <laughs> I'm just, I'm here for the whiskey. I'm here for the nice bottle you sent me. Okay. I'm putting in my time and I'm going to go chug this thing. <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> exactly. <laughs> going to finish it before he gets upstairs. <laughs> what to talk about. I mean, to talk a bit about Astro, I will repeat myself because I like talking about Astro. It's my favorite thing to talk about. What makes us unique is our content focus. So you talked about like you have one solid component that's a form and otherwise a mainly static site. Like that's exactly where Astro shines. So the idea that traditionally, if you're building an SPA, you're going to send a full JavaScript application to power that mostly static site. Just because you need that one form component is 
bonkers to me. And Astro rebuilt specifically with that use case in mind of this doesn't need to send a React app to render what is essentially HTML. What we should have is a tool that is HTML first, but still lets you bring in your React component, your solid component, whatever you end up liking for those one-off use cases, the form, the search bar, the whatever that looks like. So that's the world. That's kind of the problem that we exist to solve. And from there, we've kind of just realized that there is so much room to explore in terms of what a web framework looks like when you go back to this principle. So island architecture is the, the name of this term, this idea of thinking of your site as islands of interactivity versus one big JavaScript app. And there's so much cool stuff you can do with that that we're just like just starting to scratch the surface on. Astro 2.0 is really like bringing in some really cool features around type safe markdown, around hybrid rendering. But really the architecture, I think, is what is kind of finalizing and formalizing here is that this is an alternative to, again, Next.js, FeltKit, Nuxt, Gatsby, pretty much every major project before us. We are very much a paradigm shift in the architecture of that site. And there's some great pros, some trade-offs to be aware of, but it's all really designed to optimize for that content-focused site. Yeah. What I love about it in comparison to some of those is that it is kind of a bring-your-own-library ideology, first of all. And one of the things you mentioned on JS Party that I thought was really interesting, that really is like a concept that kind of helps you stand out from something. See, I knew you were a Hot Ones fan because you're doing the thing that he always does, which is so I talked to your high school best friend and he said that you <laughs> once said this. And what do you think about that? I love that you've done your homework. I'm sorry. I ruined your question. I just had to say that. Oh, no, that's OK. I would have done it anyway. It would have ruined my own <laughs> question. So, yeah, listen to that episode. And one of the points that you bring up there that really starts to bring up like the idea of because I remember early on, like thinking about Astro in the sense of more of a Gatsby competitor that you're talking about static site generation with like maybe a little sprinkle of something on there. But actually, like the potential is so much larger when you talk about micro front ends architecture. Right. And this could be an outlet into micro front ends architecture, because essentially one page versus another page can be two completely spas. Right. And you can have your initial like yeah. come to a login page and then based on a role, you go down one path or another, or based on a route, you could like dip into a, you know, a React app over here and a solid app over here because two different teams have chosen a completely different pathway, but they're all using the same tooling and like efficiencies. So that's pretty cool. I thought that was really interesting and kind of opened my eyes. Like I'm not that creative, but I definitely think that Astro has a lot of potential in terms of like clever use cases along the way. And I saw that as like, Oh yeah, that makes total sense to me. Like I can see where that's an easy, really fast, great, useful use case there. Yeah, it's we don't talk about micro front ends enough because it's a very polarizing tech. Like we don't want people to think of Astro as the micro front ends framework because some people love that. And then a lot of people are like, I don't like that thing. I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. It's kind of right. That's my temperature check on the industry is like very polarizing, not something we necessarily want to tie ourselves to, but that's kind of the secret is like, it's perfect for that. Yeah, everything we do, islands architecture, the islands are micro front ends. It's very much a micro front ends architecture that we've kind of, I guess, in that world then rebranded and taken away some of that uh, that rough edge of, of what it means. Because I think people think that it means something very opinionated, very holistic, but really it's it's kind of invisible in Astro's world. It's interesting within the JavaScript community in particular, where people have like chosen their favorite team as in their favorite framework is their favorite team. Like, what do you mean you like? felt like that sucks next js is awesome yeah. because of blah 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 i'm so productive and it's fine it's sort of like the best tool for the job and like letting teams within like an enterprise organization work within their comfort space without 
infringing upon upon the entire organization like that is the great fit that micro front ends could play into like you could have this cross departments like integration with micro front ends but it's it was always like the how yeah it was like the pain in the ass it's like you have to have like a third party thing that you have to bespoke create to like knit these things together or yeah. there's been a few attempts along the way but like if you have something that already is just like we don't care bring your own and then there's an easy like outlet into that like it's just routing yeah we don't care it's just routing and then do whatever you want yeah it's our biggest risk and our biggest reward almost like this idea that any one of those like camps, right? So the React camp, or actually we, we've picked on them enough. Like, so the <laughs> Svelte camp, let's say. Like a Svelte developer says, I'm a Svelte developer. I love Svelte, Svelte's for me. And I want the framework that's best for Svelte. And it's really hard for Astra to say like, that's Astra when there's like literally Svelte kit that the Svelte team built for you that Rich Harris is blessed is the best way to build a Svelte app. Like it's our biggest risk in that like, we will always be the general kind of commons that supports everyone, but by that definition, isn't optimized for anyone. The reward there is that then as a commons, you have a much larger audience that we're talking to. So I think our usage is very much a reflection of like, yeah. by not being opinionated, we let you bring your favorite framework. And our goal is to make it feel like it's first class. And I think, especially with the big frameworks, we do a really good job of that. But it's still hard as a messaging, like, well, do I want Astra or the thing built for me, a Svelte developer? Mm -hmm. I think part of that is getting people to break out of these camps a little bit. I think. And it's why I love this kind of like SPA versus MPA conversations. It almost shifts it as like, it's not React versus Svelte. It's like architecture versus architecture. And if you start thinking of Astro as a different architecture, I have seen it kind of breaks you out of that sort of like in-group, out-group thinking where you can still just use the best tool for the job. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think that behooves everyone really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you think of like, it's very much an older school way of thinking, but like, yeah, WordPress, Rails, Django, like they were never like, oh, we're the React server framework for Python. Like, no, they were, I mean, everyone, I guess, has to choose their thing. And so for those, it was more the server language was their choice, but it still had this flexibility that I think we've lost over the last decade, which is, and I think everyone kind of encourages their camps, right? It, it helps you build a brand. It helps if you're a company that owns a project, it helps you build your company brand. Like right. there's this kind of sneaky, I don't want to say insidious because I don't think it's ill-intentioned, but it's almost like the incentive is to push your community into a camp, like come be a Svelte developer or a React developer or a Vue developer. Even the newer, like quick and solid, like everyone has this incentive to build a community around this in-group, but then you're kind of making the problem worse, not better. Yeah. I think the, one of the biggest things that's really nice too, is just like the focus on HTML as a first-class citizen, because there was a, a tweet from Ryan Florence like today or yesterday or sometime where he was like, oh, in React 1, you could only use divs. Like no wonder no one knows what a form element is. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's almost like React was built as a thing to add some interactivity to HTML occasionally instead of the thing you're supposed to build full apps in. <laughs> so yeah, I think like, I don't know how we get that to shift in people's brains, but everyone's like, how do I learn the most complex JavaScript whatever the framework that I'm going to be using is, when really what you should be learning is HTML and CSS and fundamentals and maybe some vanilla JavaScript and then like kind of dive into frameworks. So I think like Astro has the correct ordering of the mental model of like, let's build the app in the fundamentals. And then, oh, I hit this thing that needs to like update dynamically. Okay, now I reach for this framework to do the thing. Yeah. yeah, you embrace correct document structure. But I mean, at the end of the day, I just blame 
hiring mm -hmm. really, right? The demand in hiring is that you know this specific thing and the way that you create job descriptions and you're like, you understand React and you're being tested on React and you can build quickly in React in a pair programming situation or a take home test or whatever it is. Like they don't care if you come back with like correct HTML document structure. They should. Most places don't really care about that. I know they should, right? And it's a funny thing because like a part of that used to be about correct indexing of pages around document structure, but then they created clever ways to sort of work around that, yeah. right? And SEO became a different algorithm. And, and so some of the importance around that I think has been lost. But at the end of the day, like that's sort of what matters. So like you're not really incentivized to structure your application to have correct document structure. You're just, you are incentivized to put out a application that looks like the design you were given. Yeah. And even those things have like started to flex and improve over time. But I mean, I definitely can say like 10 years ago, you're like enforced to have pixel perfect output of something that you're given even in three different sizes. And so when it's at those three sizes, it really has to have that kind of output and a normal document structure might, might not support that. And then you have to put in placeholder divs and like artificial mm -hmm. bullshit in between. Yeah. And it's because that's got to move those slices around. That's right. Then that's how, <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about table-based layout. It's a nightmare for me. You always use the word should, which I think is a really tricky word here, because I think there's always that question of like, there's a developer who uses semantic markup and spends a lot of time learning and building that and ships their product and then the company dies. And there's the version of that story where they don't spend the time learning that. They get something out that works and it gives them one more week or one more month of runway. And yeah. was one of those developers like better or worse, right or wrong, should or shouldn't? I, I think that's where I get a little lost. And I, I think there is this idea of aspiring to make it easy to do the right thing. But I think that's where my tooling brain comes in. It's like, well, I think up until this point, up until Astro at least, it was like, okay, so you're saying I have to not use Next.js, which gives me so much out of the box. Right. I have to not use React. I have to go and basically chop my way through the jungle to find my own way through just because this is the right thing to do. And I think that's a really hard sell, even if you do believe that's the right thing, like morally, technically, like writing good HTML, accessibility, like yeah. there's things lost when you don't, to do the right thing. And people are kind of hurt by that. The web becomes less accessible, less uh, available. But it's been really hard to say, well, like you sacrifice to do that. And I think that's where Astro comes into the picture. It's like, we don't want it to feel like a sacrifice to do the right thing. We want it to be really easy. And that's the thing that's been lost over time. Yeah, I think I agree and disagree with you to a component that some of that ideology comes out of startup culture. And I think startup culture has influenced developer culture a lot, even though 85% of jobs on the web probably aren't within that same paradigm, but that paradigm is kind of the loudest one. It's sort of like, there's a, a lot of contribution and like influence from startup culture and ideology and like, oh wow, look at these successful engineering teams that are like blowing up and creating all these crazy cool products and open source stuff as an offshoot of that and all these other things. That's how we should also be because that's like some paradigm for success. So I think that there's that aspect of it. So yeah, there's just not really a one size fits all. One thing about what you just said is like almost the craft is lost there. Yeah. If you, all you care about is the hustle, you've lost the craft of what we do. And I totally agree with that. That's a great way to say it. I think that's what I'm really trying to get at is that there's no one size fits all in that, neither in your tools or in your way of working necessarily. 
And if you are in an environment where you have to ship constantly and you potentially make sacrifices and people within your organization understand and accept that, then great. Then that is what you have to do to succeed. And I can understand that. Like, right. You can't have productivity loss to do it right all the time. And maybe you're building up a lot of tech debt and there's some sacrifice there. But then again, you know, maybe accessibility isn't important in your vertical for you for whatever reason for the product that you're shipping. Maybe it's just like. We see it, we absorb it and accept it, and then we'll have to address it at another time. That's great. That's a very conscious decision. And I just don't think it's always that conscious. So, yeah. yeah. So super important question. What's your favorite HTML element? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's such a sucker's answer, but the marquee, bring back the marquee. Mm. Nice. Not Blink? I was going to say, I thought you were going to say Blink. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. I didn't think that I was going the kind of alt route. But no, we actually recreated the marquee on one of our early websites. It had the kind of scroll in. We did our best to stay true to how it originally behaved, which I was very proud of. I like that. Nice. And then, of course, on, I think, I want to say Safari, it ended up grinding the entire page to a halt by some weird <laughs> WebGL whatever issue. So, uh, you know, yeah, the platform's got some uh, kinks to figure out. But uh, yeah, we still were able to ship it, which is fun. Nice. I was say, that sounds like an open source project right there. You know, just ship that. <laughs> I'm going to add it to our site, see what happens. Yeah, npm install marquee. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Done. It's funny because I learned HTML from my little brother who was making like GeoCities sites for some video game that he was on. Mm. He played this game called like Tribes, which was like you get together in tribes and shoot other robots. <laughs> nice. Hmm. Yeah. Fun fact. It was a late bloomer there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anyone ever played Second Life. That was how I actually originally learned how to code. Was I built things for Second uh, Life, which was a very odd VR world that I feel like yeah. Meta and everyone needs to take way more lessons from because it was like kind of a failure in a lot of ways, and also found its kind of like biggest life after they stopped. Like the hype died down. I think it still exists today as like much more of a kind of like niche thing. Mm. But there was a whole scripting language they built, which is wild. Like for moving things around VR, or sorry. 3D. It wasn't VR at the time, just a 3D space. Yeah. Uh, hey, learning through gaming is a huge kind of like mind trick. All of a sudden you spend a year like coding, not actually playing around and you kind of don't even realize it. Yeah. You're incentivized by these kind of extension of the gaming yeah. aspect. And you're like, I still want to be in it. What can I do? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember messing around in, in Second Life for a minute and I was like, wow, this is weird. This is like, it's almost what it was like. For me, playing SimCity, though, where it was like you had to show up and do life in a game yeah. after you're done with life for the day. So it was, I don't know. Yeah, you just do a different life. Theoretically, you yeah. don't pick the same job you had already. <laughs> it's a better life. Yeah, no, But in this world, you can fly. Your house is in the clouds and you. <laughs> That's true. No, there's a weird element of like zoning regulation for a game that was about following your imagination. It's like you can buy land and it's a very capitalist 3D world. It's very odd. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can remember like the gap setup shop there or something weird. Yeah. Okay, so this needs to catch on. I, I feel like I need to talk about this more because one of my favorite things watching Meta build their like metaverse, Second Life, it was before memes, I think were really a thing. So this is a premium meme. Ben and Jerry's announced Ben and Jerry's Island, mm -hmm. like spent, I think, $2 million for like whatever the rights were and whatever. They built oh, an yeah. island in Second Life. Yeah. And it was a news article. Ben and Jerry's enters VR 3D world. Like, is this the new trend? And you would go to it and it was empty. Mm. You'd walk around an island empty, but like weird Ben and Jerry's artwork. And I put on one of those VR headsets the other day and it was totally empty. I'm like, oh, this is Ben and Jerry's Island. That's what we should be calling like empty <laughs> VR world. Ben and Jerry's Island. Oh my gosh. That's uh, so funny. 
I don't have to check that out. Yeah. yeah, I do a little bit of the VR thing, but I mostly play like miniature golf and disc golf and stuff with my brother. Nice. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Until you run into a wall with your face. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> so, yeah, I know we're getting it. We need to talk about some whatnot-y-like things. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing you mentioned earlier, me and my research and whatever else. Like, as far as I can find or am concerned, you have no hobbies outside of Astro. <laughs> you, I guess, four years or so ago really wanted to adopt a dog. So I don't know if that happened. No, never did. I had a kid instead. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Those are better than dogs anyway. So yeah. Do you pet your kid? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, yeah, in, in my mind, your hobbies and our career have been about making developers' lives better or improving developer tools, right? So you did the whole, like, snowpack thing. You were on the Polymer team. I remember Polymer back in the day and was, like, so excited of this, like, ideology of web components. Again, these, like, very compartmentalized bits of the web that were, like so smart about everything about themselves. And then Polymer was the thing that was making them real right now. And eventually they're going to become a real thing. They're still not a real thing. In case anybody doesn't know. Oh no, don't bring me into this. No, <laughs> they're a thing. Check the data. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to push off the, uh, the debate. Okay. Okay. I feel like every six months we get a new uh, Twitter debate about our web components real. Mm, fair enough. Okay. What Polymer wanted them to be was a web framework, which they are not. You shouldn't be trying to recreate Next.js in Polymer, but yep. as far as adoption, they're pretty well adopted. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. We'll table that one. <laughs> Sorry, you can tell that there's some scarring there, so there Yeah, no, I can understand that. I can understand that. So aside from those things, hobbies, what does Fred like to do? Or Pred, as I call him. That's my pet name for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the, I mean, having a kid becomes pretty all-consuming, so that took a lot of that space. As I'm sure, yeah, I, I know you mentioned you had kids. So before pre-kid, coding kind of was my hobby. Like I really was one of those people who like I had a job, I was very lucky to work in tech, but then I'd go home and I'd work on like a side project or I'd play around with something new. And so it like weirdly without me realizing it morphed from a hobby to a job and a pretty all-encompassing one. It's one where I can kind of have a lot of creativity. So like over the last week we built pretty much within seven days a like full AI like support bot for Astro, which was really fun. Mm. Something I never worked with before. I have like no idea how chat, G- chat GPT works. I have a little bit better idea now, but still like 2%. But that idea of like understanding, um, playing around with new tech, it's something I'm very fortunate to get to do in my job. So that kind of, in some ways, scratches both, uh, you know, it ticks both boxes. Nice. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, Robbie's very much like that too. Like uh, goes home, yep. codes more stuff. He does a lot <laughs> of open source. Or did. He also had a kid this year. So, yeah. It's a lot less now. Yeah. It's a lot less. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, so. So once, I think I was on a panel with Zach uh, Leatherman, who built Levendy. Mm-hmm. And someone asked him that, like, so Zach, what are your hobbies? And he, like, very, like, much, like, like laughed, like, very outwardly laughed. I was like, I, like, I have a kid. Like, what do you mean hobbies? And I was, yeah. remember I looked at him. I was like, you can say that? Like, you can say that? Public. I always felt so much shame or guilt over, like, oh, I don't have any good hobbies. I'm not a guy with hobbies. Uh, yeah. An hour or two of free time a day is not enough for hobbies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. because even um, if uh, you have kid free time, then you need to spend some time in your relationship or whatever. I mean, both, basically my rinse, repeat days, like I'll go home uh, at the end of today, spend time with the kids. We do dinner get them ready. They go to bed, read them books, all of that. Wife and I sit on the couch for an hour, try and watch something new together and spend a little time together. And then we're exhausted. We go to sleep. We wake up and do it all over. Yeah. That's just the reality. 
I will say I have a friend who is a pediatric surgeon, mm. works crazy hours, and has in the time, like the last three months, has built a chicken coop in his backyard. Mm. So hmm. I don't know what to make of that. It's like, it's like, what did I contribute? It's like, well, I sat in a meeting all day and he's like, I saved, I saved lives with these hands. It's like, okay, fair, right. fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> we're not comparing, comparing societal contributions. I mean, whatever. Yeah. I mean, if we were, yeah, clearly that's a much more important thing to save children's lives, but no, we don't actually count. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. We don't need to do that. That's fine. Yeah. People wouldn't even be able to find his services without the internet. So you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's no yellow pages anymore, right? Yeah. I don't get a yellow pages anymore. So I think like that's it. I can't just look up surgeon, pediatric surgeon. <laughs> Best one. No idea. You know, ask friends. No. I go to chat GPT and ask that now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's the new Google. That's what everybody says. You know, and now I'm going to ask. Well, first, I got to tell you why I say Pred. I've had many lives. I'm like a cat, even though I don't have cats. And I used to be a bartender forever back in the day. And one of the other bartenders was Filipino. Or he is. I don't think he's dead. And he also never changed yeah. nationalities, as far as I know. <laughs> so, and his name was uh, Garapredo. And Fred, for short, or as he would say, Pred. Because hmm. they don't have Fs. You know, Filipino doesn't have Filipino, is what they say in uh, Tagalog. Oh, interesting. I think it is. Huh. Yes. There you go. There's not a lot of good Freds out there. I feel like there's Fred Armisen. Mm-hmm. Flintstone. Freddy Krueger, bad Fred. Yeah, Flintstone. Fred Flintstone, good Fred. Good yeah. Fred. <laughs> there's not that many. Yeah. Every other king of Sweden is named Fred. They have a weird system where you, you have to take one of those names. Okay. And they flip-flop them. So yeah. I guess, I don't know how, what your, your thoughts on Swedish politics are, but I would call generally good. Yeah, I think in general, good. Yeah. Is it Frederick then? Yes. And your child, a uh, boy or girl? Girl, named Ren. Okay. Yeah, so you really can't like... Like the bird. Yeah. Oh, nice. Like To say like, yeah, your options to kind of keep the name going. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad was a Charles, a Charles the Third, so it was actually very controversial mm. when I was not named Charles. Wait, I am Charles the Third. I don't know if you heard oh that. Oh my god! Wait, <laughs> I'm Charles William Carpenter the Third. It was kind of controversial that I didn't name my son that. He's Aiden Ferguson. There you go. Yes, and but my daughter is Charlotte. So that's how we oh, made the connection, nice. made it work. Nice. There's something to the parents. Yeah, okay. I'll connect you and my dad. I'm sure you'll have a ton to talk about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Enjoy this. The girl. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Charles the third. Small world. It could have been the fourth. There could have been, but oh well, there's not now because the shop's closed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, if anybody didn't know, out in the internet world, shop's closed. <laughs> I'm just going to let that resonate for a second. My only other question was around, and I keep asking this thing because I feel like Astro is great marketing for really cool swag. And part of it is because Nate has a NASA jacket and I'm super jealous. I didn't know that I would have applied. Oh my I God. know that as an employee, you got NASA jackets. You're reminding me. Three months ago, he told me, Fred, I did the podcast with the NASA jacket. You got to do it yourself. Three months came and went, completely forgot. Well, that's it. <laughs> No NASA jacket. I actually, so I, I mentioned that we are like staying with friends right now. Total tangent. Like the, you know, I'm in California, lots of rain. A tree tipped over, fell in our house during the rainstorm. So we are now staying Oof. at a friend's house. This beautifully manicured background, not mine. Oh, okay. So, so your house way shittier. Even if I wanted to wear a NASA jacket <laughs> right now, I couldn't. It's somewhere under a bunch of plaster that fell from the ceiling. The CEO of HTML doesn't pay that much, you know, so his background was like real bad. So he has to go to a friend's <laughs> house for, for a better background on podcasts <laughs> exactly, that aren't really exactly. video anyway. Yeah. 
well, next time. Exactly. But yeah, no, I actually remember that. Yeah, we. Uh, it's been a while since we've done swag. We do secretly have a swag shop that is cooking. Maybe by the time this is out, it's already there, but we're kind of like soft launching it, not making a big deal about it. Our goal is to have like really fun swag on it, not just like just the t-shirts, but like flamethrowers, like Elon Musk, like our version of that without the Elon Musk. That's <laughs> probably not a flamethrower, but like neon signs, keyboard, little things. Keeping all these in. Yeah. Neon sign I would take. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That'd be pretty dope. All right. All right. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. I don't know if you can see behind me. I have a nice slop sink, so I need to get a uh, better background so that I can <laughs> have some stuff behind me. Oh, it's a podcast, right? I mean, yeah. who's going to know? Yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately, the people that edit the podcast pick my video over Chuck's a lot of times for the <laughs> snippet. So you get a lot of slop sync in the, the Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> slop sync makes it sound like you have pet pigs or something. <laughs> I don't know. What would you, I guess utility sync. That sounds a little nicer. I see a lot of spray bottles. Yeah. Yeah. When you go buy them at Lowe's, they call them utility sinks. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Fun fact. I spent too much time at Lowe's. Sorry. <laughs> All right. We're at time here. Was there anything we missed? Anything you want to plug, Fred, before we end? No, I'm glad I could finally come on and uh, drink some great whiskey. Astro is really fun. I uh, would implore anyone to check it out, especially if you're building a content-focused website and you're kind of fed up with the JavaScript apps of the world. This is a kind of fun relief from that. Astro.build is the website. Astro.build slash chat is our Discord, which is really, really fun. I would definitely recommend checking that out. And um Oh, this is going to be very confusing, but we're twitter.com slash astro.build. Now, in this one, the dot is spelled out. So astro, D-O-T, build. Check the show notes. I'm sure they'll, yeah. they'll do a good job and put that there. But anyway, there will be. astro.build is everywhere. And uh, yeah, please come by and check it out. Cool. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you liked it, please subscribe. Leave us some five-star ratings. And we will see you next time. Boom, 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 boom. Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io. 